For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome to Believe. That's B-L-E-N-E. <laughs> Gotta start that over, geez. Hello, 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 and welcome to Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V in lines right here on the Believe Network. I'm your host, as always, at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, joined as always by the all-pro, the Detroit Lions legend, the safety that led the NFL in interceptions. It's Glover Quinn. What's up? Just kind of trying to process the week that we just had. It's been crazy from firing a coach to trading away a top 10 pick to now we still have a game on Sunday. It's wild. It's been a wild week. I mean, was it, did did the deadline pass? Deadline passed on Tuesday. Yeah. On Tuesday, right? Yeah, man, it's crazy. I mean, I figured it was on Tuesday. I didn't, I didn't really look and see when the actual deadline was, but generally, you know how it is in the NFL, man. They don't get things done until the deadline. They could have had weeks and weeks and weeks to get stuff done. They literally wait till the ninth hour to get it done. So I should have knew that when you see all these trades happening on Tuesday and this and this and that, like this is the deadline. But it's been crazy. It's been crazy. Some moves, some things, some teams, a lot of information, a lot of things going on. And like you said, there's still football left to be played. And that's kind of one of the things that I said. You know, earlier in the week, it's like, man, we're making out, we're doing all these things. Yeah, we're seven games in, eight games in, whatever it is. But you still got, it's a 17-game season now. Not 17 weeks, 17 games. So you still got 10 more games left to play. You can't go out and get embarrassed for 10 games straight, in my opinion. No. The rebuild turns into somebody else's rebuilding, in my opinion. But when you start doing making moves, now you start to see the character of the team. So we will see the character of the team. Football is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your football betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, matchup info, player news, and game trends, and as your continued source for all sports wagering info, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events like MLB, MMA, tennis, hockey, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. Bet online where the game starts. It's just a lot of stuff that I saw come out this week. A few things that I just didn't, I'm just confused by. Maybe they just didn't want to put it out there. But it's like, 
the defensive coordinator is a former great defensive back. So you fire the DB coach. And now who do you have coaching these guys? They have called up safeties coach Brent Brian Duker. He's going to take over as the defensive co- or as the secondary coach and the passing game coordinator and then defensive quality control coach Addison Lynch will step up to the safeties coach. Who? <laughs> I had to look it up. I had to, I made sure I had this on hand before the show cuz I'm I'm wondering who 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 are these guys? Not a clue. And I don't want to disrespect anybody. I'm you know but why can't they be like, hey, this is what's going on? So Aaron Glenn's gonna be the defensive coordinator, obviously, but he's still he's gonna work with the DBs. He's gonna be Brian Duker and who? <laughs> and we expect these guys to play better. Really? Okay, we'll see. Maybe, maybe it's not. Hey, they're there every day. So maybe they know stuff that we don't know. And that's what I'm trying to read into with all of the talk after the firing. Because we hear Dan Campbell, he gives the press conference and he gives the classic head coach answer. We're in a production business. We thought it was best for the team. And it's kind of like, well, I get no information from that. But then... He dives in a little bit more and says, I just want to see us all on the same page. And if we're going to get beat, it's because we're we're maybe getting outrun or we're not quite in phase, but at least we're kind of there. We've got to cut our mentals in half. And so that tells me that the reason the Lions are presenting, whether it's true or not, but the reason that they're going with is the communication breakdowns were because of Aubrey Pleasant. And so we're moving on to simplify it. And we're just going to go forward with this. So there's a couple of things about that that, you know, maybe contradicts itself to me. You can't say you love me as a coach and you think I'm this, you think I'm that. But then after seven, eight weeks, you fire me for that reason. Simply because if you think I'm that good of a coach, you've had seven weeks to come to me and, and get on the same page with the communication breakdown. You've had seven weeks to come to me and maybe change my role from installing to the DBs to just coaching on the field or whatever. If you feel that good about me, you've had seven weeks to communicate something to me. And yes, if you've communicated over and over to me and I'm constantly defiant, sure, fire me. But if you're saying that, if you're doing that, then you're probably not coming out saying, I got great respect for God. This this isn't that. I don't respect you. Because I've been asking you to do something for seven weeks and you won't do it. So you're you're directly, I don't want to say disobeying because you, you know, but you are basically doing whatever you want to do and disregarding who I am as the head coach. And for you to do that week after week after week after week after week, you don't respect me. So therefore, I can't sit here and say how great of a coach you are because you're not performing like a great coach. So for you to come out and say all these things about this, this, and that, 
makes me feel like that didn't happen. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I was talking to a, a, a user on Twitter, right? And they said something. And my response was, if you fired a coach because he didn't follow the game plan, we're talking about DBs. And you said that they didn't press. He wasn't following the game plan. He wasn't implementing the game plan. How do you as a head coach allow someone not to implement the game plan for an entire game? Because I can see after the first possession that they're not pressing. So when they come to the sideline, I can literally go over there and be like, what are you guys doing? The game plan is to press. We can't let these guys run free. I can go over there immediately and nip it in the butt. After the very first play of the game, I can get on the headset. Aubrey, what are our guys doing? We're supposed to be pressing. Why aren't they pressing? I'm allowed that to go a whole entire game and then say, oh, we didn't follow the game plan? I don't know. I don't know. I just sit back and watch. And as a former player, you hear the quotes from the players that lost their coach and in some cases their friend, their mentor. So Deshaun Elliott, he comes right out and admits, yeah, this feels like it's our fault that we cost this man his job. And then Jeff Akuda, I want to get your take on this because Akuda comes out and says, it's I'm in a confusing place because I feel like I've been playing pretty well, but also I just got my coach fired. So I got to look in the mirror and say, how could I have saved this man's job? Because we have a relationship that's gone now. He doesn't have a job anymore because of me, even though I was satisfied with my play. Right. And and like I said, I I feel like, you know, coaches, people should just be more honest. Agreed. Like we don't need all the media answers. Like just be honest. Just, just be honest. Just say what it really is. Because when you don't, you leave everything up for speculation. You leave everything up for people to assume and and try to piece together and try to figure out this and that. And it just can lead to a lot of different things. And you could end up possibly indicting yourself. Right. So when I think about it, you know, I've never really outside of one situation, I think. I think it was Minnesota. And I think Mike Zimmer got really upset with his defensive back. One of them, or maybe the whole group, because he said, if I remember correctly, that they went rogue. They I think it was I think it was Xavier Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes. I think he was supposed to be doing something and he just literally did what he wanted to do. It's the only time I can remember that happening. Mm-hmm. So I can't sit here and say that Detroit Lions defensive backs, being as young as they are, as less proven as they are in this league, that they could go a whole week of practice, practicing a game plan, and decide that they're going to get in the game and do something totally opposite. I would expect that from a pro bowler, a veteran, somebody that got some years and some clout that feel like, Hey, man, I got skin in the game. This is how I think we should be playing, right? 
young guys, they're going to do exactly what the coach tell them to do. They can get beat nine times out of ten. But if the coach tell them to get up there and press, they can even, they can know, hey, I can't press this dude. I can't get my hands on it. They're still going to walk up there and press. Why? Because they ain't made no money in this league. They don't have no clout in this league. They don't have any power in this league. So they're just doing whatever the coach tell them to do. So I can't see anybody in the line secondary that would feel like they could just do whatever they want to do. So it's hard for me to believe that that's the whole thing. I think it really boils down to, like he said, it's a production business. They don't have playmakers in the secondary. We've been saying this since day one. It's a lack of turnovers. I can't think of anybody on the line secondary that has five pass breakups on the season. Nobody. I can't think of one game where I left there and said, man, this kid had two pass breakups in the game. Not one. So, but they're not even sniffing interceptions. They're not even close. So, if the quarterback is not just errantly throwing the ball or the receivers aren't just dropping the ball, they're completing the pass. It's like playing seven on seven, right? So I think that ultimately was the issue. So I would love it. Yeah, Dan Campbell comes out and he says it's a production business, right? I would love it if he come out and say, yeah, it's a production business. You know, our DVs, we don't have any, we're not getting any turnovers. You know, we're not, we're not covering anybody. We're not making any plays on the ball. Like all these different things, right? But when you start saying that, now you start bringing everybody else into the picture because you can't expect guys to do stuff that they don't do. You can't ex- you you can't pull out a Ed Reed if he's not there. You, you like they're just not there. There's not the, you have to go and get those players. So you 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 signed Deshaun Elliott. What did he show you in Baltimore? That's different than what he's doing right now. What did he show you? That he was a great interceptor? No, he probably showed you that he was a tackler. He's probably tough. Probably had an injury. sound. Right. That's exactly what he is now. He's a tackler. Tough guy. Try to be. You know what I'm saying? Like, what did Jeff Okuda, even going back to before, what what did Jeff Okuda show you in college that's different than now? He wasn't a 15 interception guy in college. He was a tackler, tough, physical, you know, played good ball. Sound. That's like, <laughs> you know, like, what did, what did anybody show you at their respected team or their respected college? What did they show you then that they're not that they're not doing now? You didn't, like I said, you didn't go out and draft the interception leader in college. You didn't sign the interception leader in the NFL. You didn't, you don't have those guys. Yes, you expect them to hopefully make plays. But though, I feel like those guys are doing what they can do. So yeah. you want Aubrey Present to be a magician. 
You want him to make those guys into something that they're not. When you look at when I was there, I don't feel like you made, we had to make anybody. That'd have been like us making James a heady bow and interceptor. And although he caught four interceptions, shouts out to my dog Diggs, he caught four interceptions in 2014 season, right? But he's not known as an interceptor. But you look at other guys, myself, Slay, Quandre, right? But you look at the numbers, I think I got 24 on the career. Slay got 25. Quandre got, what, 19. Like, these are guys that are trying to get the ball. You see what I'm saying? So when you have turnovers in that point, it's because you got guys back there that are trying to intercept the ball. You don't have guys that are trying to intercept the ball right now. You just don't. These guys are trying to make tackles, and they're trying not to get beat. So I feel bad for Aubrey. I really do, too. And with your point with Diggs, you didn't sign him to get four interceptions, but that's a nice bonus. But you understood who he was, and you didn't ask him to do anything else. And it feels as though the only player that at any point has shown anything in terms of being a playmaker, interceptor-type guy was Amani Oruwari last year. And so with Amani step back, but Akuda step forward, it just puts you in a confusing place with the whole Aubrey Pleasant situation. And then Sports Illustrated writes an article, did the Lions miss out on the next great defensive coordinator? And of course, that's possibly hyperbole. That's a lot of very high praise. But the fact that people are asking that, about a one in six football team. Did you make a mistake and lose out on something great? That's not good for the team, for the fan base, for everyone to be seeing. It's going to put in just a little bit more doubt. Who they're saying? And, and Aubrey? Yeah, Aubrey Pleasant. I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, there's a lot of things. Like I said, being in it, you see a lot of different things. Some of it is the coach. Some of it is the player. Like I said the other day, when I made my comment on Twitter, we used to always say you're either coaching it or you're allowing it. One of the two, right? So Aubrey been a young, fairly young coach. Middle of the road, I guess. Did he handle a money the right way? Right, money comes off a of season, catches in interceptions. You know, like I said, I didn't like his vibe. I didn't like his tone, his pot. I didn't like anything really when I was there in training camp. So, did he come back feeling himself a little bit, and you not nip that in the butt? Did you not continue to push him because? of the season that he had last year? Or did you have meetings and you heard meetings, you know, with the upper people and co head coaches in DC and the focus was, we need to see what we can get out of Jeff Okuda. We drafted this kid in the fourth round, first round, the third overall pick. We need to see what we can get. Can we, could he have been TJ Hawkinson? Hey, we don't want to sign him. 
long term, but we need him to start playing well enough so we can at least get some trade value for him, right? So now my focus is on Jeff Okuda, trying to get his confidence going, trying to get him fundamentally sound. This kid's been in the league for three years, but he hasn't really played, right? So then you let the money kind of chill because you expect the money to take care of business. But then the money comes back in chill mode. So then as a coach, you got to nip that in the butt. I feel like somebody, head coach, D coordinator, somebody could have had to have seen that the money was in chill mode. Somebody had to see it. I saw and I was there for two days. So I know, I know somebody had to see it. You can't tell me that you got these highly paid individuals and they can't see a money was in chill mode. Just can't tell me that. Or was it the fact that Dan Campbell came out and said a money's our number one guy and Jeff Okuda and Will Harris is competing for the second spot? Something. Something happened. Or did the money just get lucky last year? I don't know. I didn't watch intently last year. I just saw the numbers. But it's tough. And I feel like I can talk on and on and on about this stuff because when you start really breaking stuff down, sometimes, yeah, people got to take the fall because a change just has to be made. And sometimes you kind of take... I don't want to say the bottom guy on the totem pole because I don't feel like he was the bottom guy on the totem pole. But he was the guy. Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn are friends. They've been coaching together for a long time. So Dan Campbell believes in Aaron Glenn as the, as the D coordinator. So I don't think he felt like it was going to be a situation where I was going to fire Aaron Glenn and promote Aubrey Pleasant to D coordinator. I'm a ride with A.G., I'm going to die with AG. Just is what it is. So if somebody got to go, Arby got to go, and hopefully he turns into a good D coordinator somewhere else. But I can't see a situation where he would have been the D coordinator here. The only way he would have been the D coordinator there is for AG to get fired, and I don't think Dan Campbell is going to do that, or for AG to get a head coaching job and leave, and I don't think he's going to do that. So it's going to be a long time before Aubrey get a shot at being the coordinator in Detroit. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That's my thoughts. And we really appreciate your thoughts because it just gives us that window into what teams are thinking, players, everyone involved with stakes at different levels. And then after this Monday announcement that Aubrey Pleasant is fired, the next day, it's the trade deadline, and the first move of the day, TJ Hawkinson sent to Minnesota. The literal Viking is now a literal Viking in Minnesota. 
And the trade is a second round pick in 2023 to the Lions, a third round pick in 2024 to the Lions and to the Vikings. They get a fourth this year and a fourth in 2024 that becomes a fifth if the Vikings win a playoff game, which means Lions fans now have to root for Minnesota in the playoffs. Oh my gosh. And and I mean, just taking just taking everything out of the, the situation. I get it. People have to make moves for different reasons, right? Salary cap issues, you know, things coming up that you know you may look down the road and see and you say, okay, well, this is this is the situation that we're gonna be in. So we know we can't do this. We know, but like I'm trying, I'm trying to see, first of all, who's coming down the pipeline as a guy. That's on the roster. That's gonna demand big money. Like who's coming down the pipeline? You think they're gonna get Jared Goff forty million dollars a year? No, they'll draft another quarterback before they get Jared Goff forty million dollars a year. So then they'll have a, a quarterback on a rookie deal for five years. DeAndre Swift is good, but his health always comes up. So I don't think he's gonna get fifteen million dollars a year. Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't think he's going to get $20 million a year as a wide receiver. And he's not even up for another two years. So there's plenty of time to figure out his situation. Taylor Decker's locked in for a while, I think. I think the O-line is secure, right? Yeah. O-line's secure. There's nobody on the D-line that's going to be demanding $20 million a year. There's no linebackers. That's going to be demanding $10 million a year. You just paid Tracy. So you got no other DBs that's going to be demanding that kind of money. And I get it. You probably got some salary cap issues from previous players. Coach, I get it. But I just don't understand. How do you trade somebody to your division rival and lose the trade, though? Like, you got a second round this year and a third next year. They get a first round talent, a fourth rounder this year, and then they get another pick next year. You know, half the league is made up of fourth, fifth, and sixth rounders, right? You know that, right? Like, there's a lot of great players that are fourth and fifth rounders. A lot of great players. So, if you do your homework, you could get a first round player. And then you get a fourth rounder this year. I was a fourth rounder, so I ain't got no hate for fourth rounders. I feel like you can find good players in the fourth round. Every year we see it. And a fifth rounder? And all they had to give up was a second rounder this year? And a third next year? We lost. In my opinion, we lost. And like I was saying before we got on the air, that may have been the best deal. I understand that. But you can't tell me there's nobody else in the league that had a third and a fourth available. May not have been a second and a third, but it'd been a third and a fourth. And maybe you don't have to give up that fourth and fifth. Maybe you just got to give up TJ for a fifth rounder. Whatever. You give up a first rounder and two picks? Uh, I'm not the GM. I've never been a GM. So maybe they know stuff that I don't know. And I'm just looking at it as a fan or as a player. So I don't, I'm not going to condemn anybody 
on the moves that they make because it could turn out to be perfect. I just don't understand it. Don't make it right. Don't make it wrong. I just don't understand it. So then I sit back and wait to see how it plays out to get a better understanding. And when you hear Brad Holmes talk about it, you understand what he's saying, but you just wish there was more transparency because he says, you know, we consider moving Hawkinson, whether we were one and six or six and one, if it made sense. But then it comes the question, well, do you think his peak value is right now? Or do you think he's going to be more valuable at the end of the season when it comes time to free agency and, oh, well, we can sign these tight ends or we could trade for TJ and get, why, why don't, we? so that is one question I have. And then Brad Holmes even admits, no one's going to be excited about the picks right now. I understand fans don't give a damn about the draft picks we get, but we're still in the building phase. And so it's just all of this coded language that we see from all franchises. Like I said, I just wish people, GMs, coaches would just be more realistic. You can't sit here and tell me if the Lions were 6-1 and one, they were rolling, that they would trade away T.J. Hawkinson. You can't sit here and tell me that because if the Lions are 6-1 and one and rolling and T.J.'s playing, if he's injured and not playing, then he's probably not a part of why you're 6-1. and one. So then, yeah, you may make a move. But if he's a if you're six and one, TJ Hawkinson is a big part of that. You're not trading him from your offense because at six and one, you feel like you got a chance to make the playoffs, win a division, and make a good run for it. So why, why would I trade one of my best offensive threats in the middle of the season because I'm not going to get anything for him next year? I may not get anything for him next year, but I got a chance to win a Super Bowl with him this year. Period. Nobody cares about nothing else but winning the Super Bowl. Nobody cares. That's why you see a lot of these teams win the Super Bowl and then they're awful for the next couple of years. Why? Because the owners, hey, man, we just won one. The chances of us winning two in a row is slim. So we're going to enjoy this one, and then we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna tread water through the next season, and then we'll catch, we'll catch back on maybe a year after. So if you got an opportunity – to win. I'm pretty sure if you look at the Eagles roster, I'm pretty sure they got somebody on their roster that they probably could have traded. But the situation that they're in right now, we see them adding guys to this team. Hey, we need to bring because we feel like we got a chance to go and win it. And we are going to be in to win. So these guys are contributing right now. They're helping us win. They're integral parts of this team. No, we're probably not going to sign them back next year but they can help us this year. So you can't sit here and tell me if we were 6-1 and one, rolling that you would trade T.J. Hawkinson. So just be real. You're 1-6, and six, so now we're, we're really in the rebuild phase. Really. And now this is a move that we feel like we can make because we're in the rebuild phase. So I just wish this be more realistic, man. Just, just say the truth. Just say the truth. It is what it is, man. Hey. Hey, we can't trade it right now. We we rolling. And, you know, it might come back to hurt us a little bit down the road, but we'll deal with that when we get there. We got to live in the now, and we trying to win right now, and he's a part of it. Because if I'm always trying to build for tomorrow, I ain't taking care of today. I'm always getting rid of stuff, waiting for tomorrow. I need to take care of the day. 
Because if you win today, that'll buy you a couple years for tomorrow. When you win today, it's going to be a little easier part of the rebuild because some of those draft picks that you get, they're going to be excited to come to Detroit. They don't understand that. A lot of times, you don't have a choice in so in, so much into where you get drafted, right? That don't mean that you have to want to go there. So you get some of these guys, especially the high-round guys, just because you get drafted to Detroit don't mean you really want to play in Detroit. And I'm not saying that they don't, but that doesn't mean that you really want to play there. Especially if you feel like the organization is this and it's that and the city and it is and all of whatever people think about Detroit. They might be like, bro, I can't believe I got drafted to Detroit. I'm happy I got drafted, but why did it have to be Detroit? You see what I'm saying? You don't want that perception. You want your draft picks to come in excited, happy to be here because this is a championship organization. So you're doing whatever you got to do to win right now when you feel like you got that chance. At one and six, you know you don't have that chance. So, yeah, we're, we're rebuilding. Six and one, we got a chance. We ain't rebuilding. We don't need all those picks. We ain't stacking picks right now. Because we ain't rebuilding. We six and one. Right or wrong. And it's, of course, it's the loaded language. It's the if it makes sense. Because, of course, if you're six and one, yeah, if someone offers us two, three first rounds for TJ Hawkinson, well, that makes sense. We'll trade him. But you're not trading him for what you traded him for if you're six and one. So just be honest about it. Just tell us the truth. And then it comes to the on the field and Dan Campbell comes out and admits it instantly. My first thought, where does the production go? I have to feel okay with Amon Ross St. Brown and Khalif Raymond and Josh Reynolds and DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams and the other tight ends. Campbell says he feels okay with it, but what does that actually mean? What, how does this offense change? Because we hear Ra- Antoine Randall L wide receivers coach well you know we're going to make up for it with more four wide receiver sets more five wide receiver sets that's what we're going to be looking at so what are we actually looking at here glover bro 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 there's nobody and this is not disrespect like I say, I don't like disrespecting players. I just talk and say what the whole world, what the whole league is feeling. There's nobody in the entire NFL afraid of the Lions going for wide receivers. <laughs> it's true. Like, even talking to other players in the league. I have guys hit me up and they say, hey, man, I know you work for the Lions or I know you're doing this or that. But Amon Ross St. Brown is not a top 10 wide receiver. I'm like, hey, he's putting up numbers. He, bro, he's not top 10 wide receiver. This, these are guys in the league. This is, what, mm-hmm. this is what they're telling me, bro. He's not this. And if he's considered the best wide receiver that the Lions have and the league don't even feel like he's a top 10 guy, like they don't even feel like he's like that. Khalif Raymond? Josh Reynolds? Who else they're going to put out there as a fourth wide receiver? 
DJ Chark's not there. Who's he going to put out there? Who's the fourth? Tom Kennedy, the guy they just signed on, from the man. practice squad. <laughs> Come on, bro. Yeah. Come on, bro. And now you don't even have a threat at the tight end? Come on, bro. Come on, bro. They're going to welcome for a while. Because now that means they're going to blitz Jared Goff and lay into Jared Goff. There's no team in the entire NFL losing sleep because the Lions want to go four wide. I guarantee you that. So, like I said, I hope it works out. I, I hope guys step up. But if I got if I got to make this trade and I'm sitting here wondering where's the production going to come from now, that's tough. Because generally another tight end will emerge to where you feel like, okay, we can trade TJ because, you know, TJ is giving us eight catches to, you know, 85 yards a game, possible touchdown here, there, right? This guy's giving us five catches or four catches with 40 yards, maybe a touchdown every other game, right? But if we don't have TJ, he's going to get more opportunities. So we feel like he could pretty much go production for production. So that gives you a reason to feel like I can trade TJ because I got somebody else that can step in and do what TJ does for us. If you don't have that, (laughs) and if you felt like TJ was always an option, to be traded, right? Because that's what Brad said, right? He was all it was always an option whether we were one and six or six and one. So that means coming into the season, you knew this. This ain't stuff like this ain't stuff that just happens overnight. Certain things happen overnight, like Robbie Anderson's situation that could have happened overnight, right? But I feel like it was always a tension there anyway with Robbie, and especially when Baker got there, right? But stuff like this. Fifth-year option stuff, they got to pick up fifth-year options after year three, right? That stuff don't just happen. Back like when I was saying in training camp, you go into that last preseason game, they already know who's on the roster. It may be one or two guys that's actually really going out there playing for a job on the roster. Yeah, some are playing for practice squad spots, but for the most part, they know who's on the roster. This stuff does not happen overnight. Trades of your first round pick does not happen overnight. You've known the whole entire time that you wanted to trade TJ Hawkinson. You've known that. So why haven't you done more to get more tight ends involved? Why haven't you done more for wide receivers? Oh, because your wide receivers have been hurt. You want to go for wide receivers. What happened when any one of those guys get hurt? Now you have two or three different practice squad guys on like come on man. Come on, man. So what do you expect to see from this offense on Sunday against Green Bay? Cause I don't know. This is what I expect to be doing on Sunday. Exactly. Nothing to say. You know, expectations, 
expectations ruin a lot of things in life. Expectations also help a lot of things in life, right? When people expect you to do stuff and you don't get it done, that creates a feeling, right? When people expect you to do stuff and you get it done, it creates a feeling, right? For you, for the other person. When you don't expect people to do stuff and they get stuff done, it may create a feeling. But when you don't expect people to do stuff and they don't do it, it doesn't change my day. I didn't expect you to speak. So it don't bother me when you don't speak. I didn't expect you to pick up your shoes. So it don't bother me when you don't pick up your shoes. I didn't expect you to call me for my birthday. So it don't call it don't bother me when you don't call. You know what I'm saying? So with this offense going out there, I don't expect them to score 30. I don't expect them to score 20. So it probably won't bother me if they don't. But I'll be excited if they score 40. Right? But if they don't go out there and perform, I'm not going to be upset on this Sunday. Because I'm not going in here with the expectations that they're going to perform well. They got a lot of stuff going on. They got a lack of playmakers right now. They just hired, fired a DB coach. They just fired a DB coach. And who knows who what, who's coaching them right now, right? They're going to play Aaron Rodgers, and the, pack, the Packers are not great. They don't have great wide receivers, but they're going to be excited to play against the Lions because even when the Lions had – full barrage of players and coaches. Every week, somebody's having a career day against the Lions. Every week. Quarterback, wide receiver, tight. Somebody's having a career day every day, every every game. So now that you hired, fired a DB coach, I'm sure those wide receivers are like, oh, bro, 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 Aaron. Like, they're probably practicing hard this week. All right? Everybody like they're probably looking at, you know, the 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 Cowboys threw Dak Prescott out there against the Lions to get your feet wet. Right? They, we'll throw you out there, put, go play against the Lions, get your feet wet, so then you get get some of the rust off so you can come back and be ready to go, right? Like that's what they're using the Lions games for. So Aaron Rodgers, and I know this hurts. It does. But Aaron Rodgers is probably like, hey guys. This is a game where we can get back on track. We're three and five. Let's go beat the Detroit Lions, get some offensive rhythm, make some big plays, get some confidence, and see if we can make a run for this thing. See if we can some kind of way try to make it close for a wild card spot because it's probably going to be tough to catch Minnesota. That's what they're thinking. I'm just telling you the truth. It hurts as a Lions fan. It hurts as a former player. But that is the truth of the situation that the Lions have put out there. And the only way that it can change, they got to change it. Period. But going into the game, that's what they expected. So for me, I'm not sitting there on Sunday expecting to see fireworks. I'm expecting to see all these things start, just start to blow up. The tension, there's something going on. Tension, you know, when you start saying rebuilding and this and this and that, there's some players that don't want to rebuild. 
Young players don't mind it because they're just starting. Older players, that I don't want to rebuild. Taylor Decker does not want to rebuild. I don't want to rebuild in year eight. I don't have many more years left. Right? So there's things that happen, and it all just starts to boil and come to a head. All of it. And like I say, it gets cold in Detroit. It gets cold, man. So the energy, the emotion, all that stuff, it just starts to happen, man. Now you got to play Green Bay. We'll see. I hope they go out and play well. Lions fans, I hope they do. I just don't expect them to go and win because it's a lot going on right now. Just a lot. It's a lot going on right now. There is a lot going on right now. And as you said, the truth hurts, but it's more painful to live in a dreamland and have your dream shattered week after week after week. We have to accept, and you've said this all along, you are what your record is. We have to accept who the Lions are and accept that Sunday is probably not going to be the best day for the Lions. Accept it, prepare for it, and then you can be pleasantly surprised. Hopefully we are pleasantly surprised, but it is always pleasant talking to you no matter what. I truly enjoy, even through all of the garbage that we have to sift through, through all of the bad news and the losses, I do truly enjoy getting to hear your thoughts on all of it. So, Glover, any final thoughts before we head out here? I apologize to the Lions fans, man. I don't think you have anything to be sorry for, my friend. I do. You know, I I mean, and I may have said some stuff to 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 hurt Lions fans, and this is a Believe in Lions podcast. So if anybody should believe in Lions, it should be us. And I do believe, but I'm also a realist. I, I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to keep it 100%. I just don't think they're... I think when 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 Miss Miss Ford came down and said we're in rebuild, that was the end of it. It's gonna be hard press for the Lions moving forward throughout this season. And like I said the other day, you can't go out there and put bad product on the field for ten games in a row. So I apologize to the Lions fans. I hope Sunday is a great day. I hope we're celebrating Sunday afternoon on a podcast. But I don't expect it. I'll be here hoping with you. I hope that Sunday is a great day. I hope we can celebrate, and I hope everyone can enjoy the podcast on their drive to work on Monday morning instead of having to just sift through another loss. Glover, thank you as always. It is truly a pleasure. And until Sunday, we will see you next time. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.